Jesus, that was very loud in my ears. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Money Market Truth, presented by the Come Up Series. My name is Mark from Uncultured Currency, and this is my co-host. You guys are Mo from O2B Clubhouse. Welcome, welcome, everybody who has joined so far. Welcome to our bi-weekly shows on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Today, we are doing it live. We were supposed to have a guest on here. Last week, we spoke about uh, mental health and trading. Uh, we had a therapist who was supposed to come on today. Unfortunately, she got sick, so she will not make today's episode. So we do not have a special guest today. So we had to pivot, and we're going to do our regular shows as we usually do with the hot takes and everything else. But we're going to cover um, cast your cure puts. I'm going to cover that today because if you guys recall, a couple episodes ago, uh, we did cover calls, and it was going to lead into this. And, you know, this mental health stuff was what really I thought was, was more important than anything. Right, Mo? That's the reason why we end up just pivoting real quick. Yeah, well, honestly, it worked out, too, because we've got CPI next week. And, um, you know, I talk about plays, and I talk about how I look for them. I'm going to go over a couple of plays for next week, as well as why we're looking at them. So I will always be talking about why behind everything so people can learn and uh, replicate it. Yes, and I'm really excited to um, get into today's episode. We got a few hot takes. As usual, we're not going to spend too much time on hot takes because we want to get straight into the point, the bread and butter of this entire show. But if you haven't done so yet, make sure you guys subscribe to the Come Up series. If you enjoy this segment, please definitely let us know in the comments below. We really appreciate it. So, Mo, are you ready for the hot takes? Yeah, let's do it. All right, you guys know I'm a fan of my graphics, so let's go. Oh, yeah, the stress begin. Oh, yeah, baby. Ah, here we go. Get Morty. Now, here we go. And he pens the odd takes with Mark and Mo. All right, get, get ready. Die. Just get this. I don't, I don't know why I like these, <laughs> these little skits, man. I like working on that stuff, man. I should probably just be an editor. That's what I should do. Because, But I hate editing. That's the thing. I hate it, but I enjoy the end result. But anyways... Today, let's get into our very first hot topic, WWE. If you guys know, WWE is a, well, most of us here on this channel are fans of WWE. You see Lawrence, who has an actual WWE belt. You see Mark, which I believe also has a WWE belt. I'm not that big of a nerd to the point where I have a WWE belt yet. <laughs> That's a key word. It's funny, Mo, um, I got this guy that I work with, dude. He's got like 10 freaking WWE belts, like, like one of the legit replicas just in his office. Super nerd. But yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, on our show before we came on the Come Up series. I believe we spoke about um, WWE when they were initially going to be sold. Uh, there was rumors about Saudi Arabia possibly buying WWE. That did not happen. However, our last episode, Mo, do you remember I spoke about WWE and how I was eyeing it? Because I actually like the company. It's got great fundamentals. Yeah. And I was looking for a specific entry point, which it did not hit. However, I did say that typically... Um, the WWE stock will sell off right after WrestleMania. WrestleMania happened on April 1st and 2nd, I believe. So it was Saturday and Sunday. So wh whatever days those were. And then that Monday, I woke up and to my surprise, it was down uh, almost 8% uh, right when the market opened. And I was shocked because I was like, oh, whoa, that's the, this is more more of a sell-off than expected. I was, I was a little shocked because I was like, whoa, it usually is like you know 3%, 4% or so. But then it was because of the news that Vince McMahon actually agreed to sell WWE, and I guess it was kind of a um, overreaction shortly, right, Mo? It was just like people were just selling off for some odd reason, but I saw an opportunity there, and I did get into an options trade. As you guys know, I'm very risk-averse. I don't like to get into naked puts or calls, but I'm pretty familiar with WWE, so I ended up getting in a monthly 
WWE call for 100. I talked about it on my own channel um, on Unculture Currency. You guys can check it out. I dropped a video on it. Uh, and I end up getting within two days, I end up getting 182% and I exited out of position because I actually got to my supply zone, which was um, around, well, between 97 and $100. Uh, so that one worked out perfectly. I was expecting it to take a little bit longer, but um, that sell-off did not last. It was like 8%. And then the minute I saw it um, reversing, I got into the option position for the 100 call for um uh, May. And a funny thing is I hit up Mark as well. And he's been in a leap. And I believe today he he may have gotten out of that one as well. Because I mean, it just it, it ran. It's like at an all time high right now. What's your thoughts on this one? WWE, I, I think um, if you want to know any stock that's done very well throughout this whole entire time, like this thing's doing better than Apple and Nvidia. Yep. Barely gets any dips. And if it does have any dips, people end up buying it. So the level of confidence people have in the stock. Um, I don't know if you can confirm it. Uh, I don't know if, I know it wasn't a joke, but I heard that they wanted to legalize gambling on WWE matches, even though yeah. they know what the result would be. Like, I know it's like fake, so I don't want to know <laughs> what's the point of doing that, but I don't know if it gets approved. No, I do. I, I don't. I, I think that may have just been rumors. There's no way they can actually legally bet on something that's predetermined. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we all say, you know, there's always these rumors that boxing is predetermined and that people will fall for X, Y, and Z money. But like, there, there's no way. There's no way you can you can bet on WWE unless it's like real fighting and it's not. It's a show. Um, and don't you call it fake, Mo? Do you understand what these people go through? Bro, do I you? was nine when I found out it was fake, <laughs> and that was the last time I watched it. I'm. This is a true story. <laughs> It was the Hulk Hogan era, right? Yeah. Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, man, that that uh, people thought it was real up until like the what, late 80s, early 90s. I remember when I found out as a kid, I cried. Mark, I was like, what do you mean? Mark you saying mean? that you can bet on how the story ends. So that, I, I don't know. Like, if someone leaks how the story ends, what happens then? Mark's what? live too. Oh, live. What's he saying? I didn't see the comments. Um, you can bet how the story ends. Okay, that's a fact on the gambling. Yeah, you can bet. You know, um, I will say this though. Uh, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that um, Vince McMahon actually sold the company because it's been a family-owned business for 70 years. So I was assuming he was going to pass it on to his daughters and stuff. Me and Mark even talked about it. And I guess um, most likely once he steps down, maybe Stephanie McMahon will replace him. Uh, but they, uh, uh, WWE would be 49% and Endeavor would have 51%. So I look forward to it. I'm not buying any shares now as of this because of this news. I, I made my money off of it. I'm happy. Um, I would personally, I would not invest into this right now. I think it's completely overbought. I think it's going to sell off and I want to see what happens once they actually merge, which is supposed to be a second quarter of this year. And I want to see how the company moves forward, how they pivot, what are they going to do with UFC? Are they going to keep it the same? What's going to happen? I want to see if the product's going to suffer or not. And I want to see the financials. So as of right now, I'm not investing into this and it never hit my price on anyway. So it is what it is. All right. Next topic. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let me go get rid of this one real quick. AI. Mark likes AI. Mark's been literally doing episode, what weekly episodes on AI. So um, let's see, let's see what uh, what his thoughts are on this one. I see he's in a, in a chat here. But go ahead, um, Mo. You were, you had some you want to touch on with AI, right? Before well, AI. Like I saw that Google announced that their AI was it wasn't really much of an announcement, but news came out saying that um, their AI would be better as uh, than other com uh, competition so microsoft nvidia and all that stuff and we started seeing stocks go down um but i love the graph that you shared with me earlier yeah this is the one you're mute 
Oh, yeah, this is the graph. Sorry. Just, just so you guys know, if there's some loud noise in the background, I'm sorry. I literally have a house full of people. We have like a family reunion. So there's people in the lofts. There's people downstairs, outside. They're everywhere. So I'm kind of, you know, in a corner somewhere. So hopefully you don't hear too much noise. But yeah, I saw this graph. This is by Goldman Sachs. And it was really interesting. I don't know if y'all remember. Um, I know, Mo, you don't really follow politics like that. Uh, but during uh, the election, was it last? Was it last election? Yes, it was last election. Uh, do you remember Andrew Yang? No idea. Does that guy ring a bell? No, it was an Asian guy. His whole thing, his whole shtick was like, yo, AI is going to be taking over in the future. Our yeah, nation is yeah. going to be, yeah. So that was like his thing. He was like, you know, we need to think about like some sort of universal income. I really, really liked Andrew Yang. Like I, I wanted him to win, man. And I really think like the Democratic Party really set him up. There's times where he was debating and it would just shut off his mic and just allow Biden and Kamala Harris to speak and stuff like that and Buttigieg. And he, I, I, it, don't don't quote me on this one, but I'm pretty sure he ended up suing the Democratic Party for this, or he brought up some sort of lawsuit and addressed it because he he didn't get the coverage that he deserved. And I think he should have had a better chance. And the guy, literally, he had solutions. I was a huge fan. And now we see what's happening with AI. You know, Mark has basically covered AI for weeks and weeks and weeks, and he's super excited about it. I, I see it more as like a, a danger <laughs> than anything else. It sounds like Elon Musk is not a fan of AI either. He thinks it's progressing way too fast. But if you look at this chart, it shows you which jobs are in danger and which ones are not. So the ones in red are the top three that are going to be most likely replaced by AI or automation. We have office admin and support, legal, and unfortunately, architecture engineering is on there. And I feel really bad because I shared this with my wife. She's going to school for that. She's super excited. But I've seen some of these, these, these AI tools where you can just explain what you need. You could put a picture up of like a, a broke down house or like an empty building and you can tell them what you want and it will just generate it. And it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's. It's scary to me. But what you can, what you notice in this, if you look all the way to the right, the stuff in yellow or green, sorry, I'm colorblind, green, those are the jobs that are least in danger of AI and automation taking over. And it's basically really blue collar, yeah, blue collar work. It's stuff that, like, you know, repairmans, people who actually have to use their hands, who physically have to be there. Those are the jobs that are going to be least affected by this labor jobs. And if you've noticed, that if you have anything that needs to be done in your house recently or yard work or whatever, labor cost has gone up. Is why? It's because they're now in demand. But what's your thoughts on this, Mo? I think these jobs, like the admin work was already like jobs. Like if you've ever looked at hiring an admin, you're better off hiring a VA these days. So most of these jobs are being taken away from US and Canada. Like you could hire a VA for three to $5 an hour doing admin work. But I've actually used um, the AI, the chat GPT for getting a couple of legal contracts, as well as like getting some uh, work done on getting resumes and cover letter uh, for a couple of people I was trying to help. And it's very effective and very fast. Like the legal contract, I think I spoke about it before too. The legal contract that I needed was pretty basic, but if I had my lawyer do it, he would have charged me $500. But chat GPT did it for free and it took. So the thing with this is you have to know what you want. Like if you're totally mm -hmm. clueless, you won't, like you need to tell it what you need. So you need to set the parameters properly. That's the only thing. And for that, you need to do some research, but the basic stuff is pretty awesome. Yeah. And Mark even just commented here where he was just saying that um, there are targeting expensive areas to bring down costs. And that's really what it is. And the end of the day is really to bring down costs. And, uh, and that's why I think that Andrew Ying, man, he had a point, man. I think if companies are going to be able to, to save billions of dollars, maybe there is something to the universal you know, income 
where people get X, Y, and Z because there's going to be so many people who lose their jobs. And I, I really hope it, it doesn't happen. But I mean, if I, it's, it's, it's I exciting. Think Mark, any areas in that have gaps, eventually they get taken over by effect, uh, effectiveness. And right now it's yeah, at some point it was the internet and people are always scared when things are moving fast because there's always people on the other side. They're trying to do everything wrong with a good tool. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think me and you talked about will uh, AI take over trading. It's like, I'd be happy if it does because half the times like scalping with these algos is like, you're better off not trading, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, um, you're, comp you're competing with the AI, zero emotions. Yeah, so, so that, that yeah. is pretty crazy. All right, and then on to our next and last topic. You want to touch on that one, Mo? We're going to talk about there. Yeah, I so basically... Um, we all know there's issues with banks. When I say issues, I mean there's big short positions being piled up with regional banks and now um, are banks from different countries. And the biggest position right now out there, and I'm pretty sure you've heard about this on TikTok and pretty much everyone's covering this. TD has the biggest position, uh, short position. It's about $3.7 My thing is once these numbers get out, it's almost better off fading these moves because now everyone knows they're short. So you have to be careful. You don't want to pile on to these short position. I can speak a little bit about what's happening in Canada because TD operates major, uh, majorly in Canada. We have roughly about a million immigrants coming in in the next three years. So average 333K people every year are coming in. We have a massive shortage um, of houses like builders aren't building houses right now because of the inflation going up and the biggest problem that we're seeing right now because of that like if I posted a rent listing I would get about 300 to 400 messages that's how bad it is but the reason why banks are suffering one is one of the biggest thing with Canada that they're dealing with is money laundering. Um, there's a lot of people buying things on cash. There's people in Vancouver, students that are buying houses over three, $4 million. Uh, they're basically Chinese nationals and Indian nationals. They're buying it in cash and that's impacting the economy. And then the other part of it is there's 60, 70% tile, which are middle class. They're having issues making payments. Just to give you an example, so one of the person I know after the interest rate increase, their payment went from $2,000 to $3,700. And mm. so that's, that like, you can understand that would hurt anyone. That's about an 80% increase. So a lot of issues are impacting the banks. And on the other hand, banks did a pretty, I, I don't want to use the word shitty, but I can't find anything else. They did a pretty shitty job taking the consumer's fund and investing in areas that weren't the smartest investments. So they're in they're in big trouble right now like i don't know how it is in states but if i was to go ahead to my bank right now and i said i want to uh, withdraw five thousand dollars cash outside my uh from my account they'd ask me to come back in three to five days mm. really yeah dude canada's I, getting weird i used to want to move to canada and i'm just like i don't know about this place up to <laughs> two thousand three thousand they're okay with it you need to call in advance Anything more, they need a notice. Which so, means they're probably over leveraging you guys' money. Yeah, bro, everyone there. So the issue with the banks is also that um, this is the third cover topic that I haven't covered. Um, we have something called mortgage fraud happening. I don't know if you have that kind of stuff happening uh, in US. So basically what happens is the bank or the mortgage broker um, 
cuts you a deal. The deal is usually about they'll take 1% uh, per the amount they give you. So if you're trying to borrow a million for a house, they will take about 10 grand and they pocket that money cash and they basically forge the documents. So there's a lot of fights. And this isn't something that I'm telling you to Google this stuff. There, this was on CNN. This is widely happening and they're doing they're they're doing audits because in order for you to afford a house in Canada, they make you do a credit check, which is higher than the actual interest rate. And on average, you need about 250 to 300 K to get a million dollar loan. And most houses here start for 1.2. So a lot of people went the other way doing this kind of stuff, which is hurting the banks because they're actually cracking down. And then after that, they don't know what to do. They cancel the mortgage. If they sell the house, the house value is actually gone down. That makes sense. So there are a lot of uh, issues. Yeah. We're very over leveraged in Canada. That's unfortunate, man. I remember Canada was always like the place that everyone was always like, yeah, you should move to Canada. Everything's free over there. Healthcare, education, and people are super nice. And now it's just getting kind of weird. Uh, but speaking of, um, since we brought up Canada and India and all this other stuff, uh, that's last topic. I know I said this was the last hot topic, but let's go look at one more real quick. And um, let me go pull it up so you guys have can see this real quick. And it's about... Ditching the dollar. Now, you guys have heard that people are coming off of the currency. Um, countries as in China, Iran, Brazil, Russia, so far, South Africa, and India are coming off of the U.S. currency. It's been making the news. Everyone's talking about it. People are freaked out. They're like, the dollar's going to go to crap. What are we going to do moving forward? And let's just play this clip real quick and then um, touch on it, all right? Make sure, if you guys don't hear, please let me know. The world knows it as the king of currencies, but the dominance of the dollar is now under threat. More and more countries are looking for alternatives, and China's yuan is emerging as a clear challenger. Beijing is pursuing a string of deals. The latest one is with Brazil. Brazil and China are ditching the dollar. From now on, they'll use their own currencies for trade. So China is pushing the yuan. What about the Indian rupee? It's not far behind. The Indian rupee is also emerging as a serious contender. And why are these trends significant? Because currencies drive commerce. The dollar's dominance gives the U.S. an outsized influence on the global economy and a shift away from the dollar will only hurt America. It will also hasten the rebalancing of the global economy. In the next few minutes, we'll look at this trend and where this is going. First, the events in Brazil. Brazil announced the deal yesterday and it did not come out of the blue. The agreement had been in the works for a while. A preliminary pact was signed in the month of January. It laid the foundations of the final agreement. And it's a fairly simple deal. Earlier, Brazil and China used the U.S. dollar for trade. Now they will deal in their native currencies. China will use the yuan and Brazil will use the Brazilian reais. How does it help? It will save costs. Look at the official statement from Brazil. This is what it says. The expectation is that this will reduce costs, promote even greater bilateral trade and facilitate investment. China is Brazil's biggest trading partner. Last year, their bilateral trade was worth over $150 billion. So it makes sense for Brazil to ditch the dollar. But what's in it for China? Beijing is on a mission. It wants to internationalize the yuan. It is building a large coalition of partners. These are countries that will use the yuan instead of the U.S. dollar, and Beijing has made considerable progress in this direction. It has secured bilateral pacts with 41 countries so far. The total value of these agreements is more than $500 billion. So the yuan is gaining international acceptance. And the petro yuan is rising. Now, what is the petro yuan? It's not a different currency. Petro yuan is simply using the yuan to settle oil bills, just like the petrodollar. 
And China is making an aggressive push for this. It is finding takers in oil-producing nations. Russia, for instance, it has embraced the yuan. So have Iran, Venezuela, and some African nations. Now, reports say Saudi Arabia is also considering the switch, the switch from the dollar to the yuan. And this is going to be a very important development. We know that Riyadh has been at odds with Washington and is getting closer to Beijing. But ditching the dollar will be a decisive move. Meanwhile, the Indian rupee is also competing in this race. Last All right, I think we're good on that. So, um, well, what's your take, man? Are you worried about this? Well, I think you probably agree. This is more politics than anything. Like, if you look at the countries that are leading this, it's Russia, India, and China. India and Russia have good relationship, and China's got an ongoing issue with U.S., and so does Russia. I think they're taking advantage of what's happened. They've already put all the sanctions they need to. I don't think U.S. can do pretty much anything else. Um, so Russia and China are taking advantage of this situation. Am I worried? No, but I do agree with Mark. This means that things will get more expensive, and this yeah. is not good. This is my lane. You guys know I love this stuff. This is literally what I've done for <laughs> my entire career in the military. It's like this, like I, I love this stuff because for years I've been briefing commanders and generals and telling them like, look, this whole idea that we're the superpower moving forward, we need to start looking in the future because we're very reactionary. This country is always reactionary. We don't always plan things out as planned. And just again, I'm in this gray area, right? That was my job. I was basically brainwashed to be able to be in a gray area and don't look at who's good or bad, just kind of see the world gray, right? So this um, short term, not a big deal. Long term, absolutely. I've been saying this for a while. China's been preparing for this stuff and they've been very strategic on what they're doing. The only thing that we have left here, honestly, because even within this country, we're so divisive and they see it. Um, our leadership is not the strongest. They look very weak when it comes to the international side of things. And uh, we're not doing a lot of stuff the way we sh probably should. And plus, within our own country, we're falling apart. We're falling behind in education. We're falling behind in tech. We're falling behind in so many different areas. And the only thing that we can continue just to grasp on is like, you know, the military industrial complex. Right. And the only reason why we have an advantage in that is because we're the only country has been in a consistent war for years. It doesn't matter how prepared China is. We actually have real world battlefield experience nonstop. So. That's the only last thing that I feel like we are we are good at. But everything else, this is a strategic play. If you look at all these countries, these are all the countries that at one point or another we have bullied. Um, we are we were the superpower. I think China's trying to take over that role. And now they're aligning themselves with people who really don't care for us. And I'm going to be real with you just from again, I'm from Germany and just speaking to like my family members and other people over there, my friends. Um, a lot of people are a fan of America. So right now it's, it's in their own benefit to really support us. But I think if there's an opportunity to, and we're super weak, I think they will jump ship in a heartbeat and they will align themselves with um, the one that will end up being the, the most superpower. Uh, I, I have my kids read Genghis Khan. Are you familiar with Genghis Khan? Yeah. So, yeah. And like people, just ask yourself, how did this guy take over almost the entire world, kill 10% of the population, and nobody even really cares about mongolians anymore like what, what happened where did his power end and it's because of weak leadership i mean he died passing on his kid his kid died and then from there like the leadership was just really weak and people started um eating themselves up alive within their own organization and then it fell apart and i feel like that's what's really happening here and we need to really start preparing for for stuff that could end up getting pretty ugly moving forward um i just really think we're behind on a lot of stuff especially the military we're not very forward looking even though um that's the plan, but we're, we're very reactionary still. So the thing, Mark, is I'll tell you this, like 
when you talk about us and canada is a us it's we have so much immigration happening i'm sure same thing happening with the us what most people i have an immigration background and i could tell you the smartest people of the world they're moving to us and canada that's why you guys will become a bigger superpower does that make sense the smartest brains are leaving the countries like do you know how much chinese investment we get in canada all cash they're getting out of there regardless of how smart they are the standard of living and the way the government operates is not good which is why places like us and canada will be just fine cuz it's the brain it's our brain right we're the ones creating ai we're the ones smarter than them yes when it comes to numbers and math they're good but it's the people and it's not like when you when a lot of people look at america it's not like like what race comes to mind right is it white is it black is it brown what is it it's a diverse group now but i think it's one of the smartest group that's my opinion because mm. i've seen it back in like if you look at the category of how you can migrate to canada or us you need to have certain skill set does that make sense no i i agree now i will push back on, on your statement here though the reason why i'm saying this is cuz like you you may be right on certain a- aspects right they do come here and they they seek jobs and etc but um and you know you're indian where don't you don't you guys like, culturally you send a lot of money back to india to your family members who are back there no not you okay i know my other friend like my best friend he's indian he his family does that all the time chinese people i know they work here and they send their money back same with mexicans they come here they work and they send their money back um you talk to any europeans back when i grew up in the 80s and 90s everyone wanted to come to america you talk to them now they're like hell no hell so, no well, so why is the money being sent to take care of your it's a basic stuff Probably, that you're yeah. sending right but the majority stuff is getting built here if anything so my background is this so i can tell you about it what's happening is the money from india is coming here what happened was my dad was a he's a businessman he's been in business for the last 30 years most entrepreneurs in india are tired of the government and they're leaving before it was the job class people that wanted to go pursue tech now it's the entrepreneur they're tired of the corruption and the government just the red tape and they're just selling everything and they're coming majority of people that do come here come on student visa and what's happening is not the family selling their farm their houses and they're also migrating covid changed a lot of things bro the way us and canada handled covid versus how i could speak about india it was not good i had a business there and we had to shut down because they were forcing entrepreneurs to pay out employees but they weren't helping the business people so some businesses had to close down because of that man i wish i could say a lot more but i i have a good kind of argument for you on that part but i i can't certain things i just can't talk about publicly right. but i am 100% worried i know mark might swing in here real in a second he wants to um probably add his two cents um i did send you the link mark if you want to come in uh but that's pretty much all we really have for the hot takes and then we're going to get into the um cash secure puts here in a second uh, for everyone to kind of just spin up, you know, get your pen and paper ready because um, Mo's got some stuff to talk to as well. Let me see if Mark, give him like one more second or so. If he doesn't come in, we got to jump to the next topic. Oh, there he is. He jumped in. Look at him. What's up? What do you have to say? What, you want to come in and argue on, on our show? Look, listen, <laughs> I am, I am nothing. Look, ask any question. I will answer. Look, I even have I, I even have my shoes. Like, look, I even had to jump out of the shoes for this one. What's your thoughts? Go ahead on this. All right, well, because I, I I didn't get to hear everything since I was uh, transferring over. So my my biggest argument is I'm saying that we're slowly losing the throne of being a superpower and everything I'm seeing, especially within the military, because that's like my space. 
And um, Mo is saying he believes it's the opposite. He thinks that more people are wanting to come here to America because of the opportunities here. Um, so let's see what your thoughts are. Yeah, so I agree with you, Mo. Um, I, I I guess I, I can't really speak on the military part because of the fact that I don't really have any type of intelligence there outside of family members and you know, outside of, outside of that realm, I'm per- completely dumbfounded. Um, so here's what I do know from the startup world. So a lot of the investment that comes through on the venture capital side, where do they want to receive venture capital investment? They want to receive it from United States investors because they know that the fact that there's a certain amount of growth and scale that also goes with it outside of you live in, say, for example, one of the most populous countries, but yet at the same token, you struggle to reach a certain set of growth and scale and investment, but, um, on your own on your own state side there's that part then on top of that like think about like what happens when the h1b visa uh window opens back up you know where do you think that everybody's gonna want to go like do you really think if that was the case they would have already gone to china they would have already gone to places like russia they would have already been to other arenas and people would have been traveling there and you would have also seen the talent leaving the united states to go to those areas as well if they saw that it was advantageous why is that not happening it's not happening because of the fact that it just isn't there if you look at most of the chinese tech that is out there it's still significantly reliant on uh united states tech because of the fact of the fundamental foundation in which that a lot of the technology is built upon so there's so much there's so much there's so much innovation that like happens underneath the hood that we don't talk about um, per se that's still happening and that a lot of countries are still significantly making lo- large quantities of investments. So, like when you think about a lot of the Chinese investments, Mo, you live in Canada. So yeah. what happened to the real estate market? Who was the number one buyer of real estate so, that literally brought up the value of real estate in so Canada? In downtown, 80% of apartments are empty. They're bought by Chinese investors. They just bought mm-hmm. it as investment and then they left. And the plan is to like wrap up and then just leave the country. They're, China and India has taken over Canada at this point. And what they're doing now in Canada, they're so fed up. They're doing the foreign buyer tax. And yep. they're doing, um, uh, what is it called? I forgot the word. But if your house is, uh, no one's living there, they're going to start charging taxes. We actually got a form too. So they're yeah. trying their best to not get foreign money anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. same here too. Like even in um, the Orlando area, again, I can't talk too much on it, but Chinese are buying up a lot of stuff. Here in nearby. Washington State as well. Yeah. And in Africa as well. <laughs> There's yes. a, in a lot of countries, like they're, they're buying so much. I'm telling you, like, I, damn it. But man, why? But the, but the question is, like, why do you think that they're putting their dollars? Like, why do you think that entities are putting their dollars or individuals are putting their dollars outside of China? Like, there's a lot of undeveloped areas in China that still have yet to be developed. Correct. But they had a massive collapse, right? They were on track and then COVID happened and that the whole real estate structure just collapsed. I mean, they made a massive, massive mistake on over leveraging what their housing over there and their apartments and their buildings and everything else. A lot of them are actually sitting empty. So there was like, I think the the COVID thing really messed them up. And of course, the government as as well, government interference. But when it comes to like, I'm just saying just from the the tech and stuff that I've seen, like they've got some pretty cool stuff already relying on some of the American tech. Yeah, for, for sure. But for some reason, they're able to take or even steal our go our ahead, go ahead go ahead call it for what it is yeah you know digital they're, transfer they're, digital transfer <laughs> yes and yes. they're able they're able to surpass some of the things that we're creating that's at the forefront and of course they also have uh, that, that's all i can i don't 
I don't want to get in trouble. So, well, I mean, I'll speak on it. I can, I can speak on it. Like, for example, one of the major issues of why we saw like you know tariffs and everything literally start to take shape, form, and fashion. The reason why you saw like companies like Apple leaving uh, or d- decreasing their footprint in, in China, um, and as well as why is it that Amazon has never really even thought to even like do any type of expansion in China. The reason being is because of that digital transfer. It's the fact that it's been used as a major clause to essentially steal a lot of the intellectual property from a lot of U.S.-based companies. And not only just United States companies, you have a lot of European companies as well that also suffer that same plight from digital transfer. Now, and I think the other part is, is that Chinese manufacturing has also started to get a little bit more expensive. And hence the reason why a lot of countries started to go to other places like Vietnam, Thailand, and then also other places like India, which is way more inviting and also advantageous. Yes. Um, when you but also who, look but, at but who's India? See, that's what I'm, I'm glad you touched on that. Right. India yeah. is very welcoming. But who are they aligning themselves with? I mean, I think that the I think at the end of the day. I think that the biggest thing that I look at is, is that anybody's going to align themselves with whatever the advantage is or wherever they see advantage of capitalistic wise. Like, Correct. you know, for people to say that China doesn't believe in capitalism, that is not that is so far they do. from the truth. Yeah, they, they, they highly do. I mean, if like, for example, when you saw a lot of those U.S. companies leave, you know, <laughs> at the same token, who were who are those companies that were literally coming in immediately to fill those spots? Those were Chinese companies. They were literally stepping into Russia and filling up those spaces. Now, again, when I look at like, I think that innovation is definitely going to come. I think that the race towards as it pertains to superpower is always going to be led by innovation. And that's why I wrote in the chat. I said, you know, pretty much China has been around forever. Like their history predates the United States. It it predates, predates, predates that history on top of history on top of history. And yet at the same token, still, they're not considered number one. They're Correct. like with all with all the government, with all the government investing, with all the Chinese investment that takes place for majority of the, I would say probably about 70% of the companies that go on to be successful and at large scale, they probably have some form of Chinese government investment. But yet at the same token, you know, how do they stack up to their counterparts that sit across the pond over in the United States? You know, we do see some pretty cool things that come out of Shenzhen and out of other areas of China. And then also looking at places like Singapore as well. But yet at the same token, it's like, why is it that China is still not considered the number one? Like, think about like, okay, best example. Look at AI. The best example that I can use as kind of like the, you know, for all my spades players out there, the big joker card. Why is it that China does not lead the race as it pertains to AI? When we all know that that's really going to set the stage for everything that follows. But why is it that they don't, why is it that they're not leading? They have probably the same amount of as, as it pertains to investment. They probably have the same amount of folks in whom wish that they can have access to as it pertains to talent, if not even closer to places like India to grab talent. But yet at the same token, they still don't lead. Why? Yeah, I mean, the, the government is definitely interfering with majority of the of their potential success because they're a communist country. And this is how, how they kind of, I guess, limit but let's just look how at powerful. Itself. Let's just look at the structure of the of AI itself. Their structures of AI, they're not as advanced as they are here in the United. Here, States. correct. Yeah, that is correct. And that's and, that, and that's the part. Like, it, like if you look at, and that's just one small subset of what we look at. Let's look at the next. Let's look at the next arena. Like everybody's talking about semiconductors and everything else. Okay, let's move on beyond. Let's move on to the next phase from semiconductors and let's look at quantum. Where does where does China sit there? They got. 
I can't say. No, it's like I, no, no, no. It's, it's not. There, there's. I, I can't. There's. I can't. They're in the game. They're in the game. I will yeah. say they are in the game. But when it comes to leading the game, you got you got Nordic places that are beating out China. Beating when it comes just, to, just so everyone knows, this was the to... other Mark who's been saying this, not not this Mark. Okay, <laughs> but ultimately, I think their their strategic plan really is honestly is them they're uniting they're uniting a lot of the countries that have issues with us because they cannot be the superpower by themselves. So their goal and their strategy, from what it looks like, just hypothetically, just what my opinion, is to unite, unite other countries to the point where they will potentially eventually become a superpower. Maybe not by themselves, but well, united. United. Let's and that's the, the but, but, let's look at the, but let's look at the countries, though, right? Okay. Outside of India, I would probably say, because India probably has one of the best GDPs out of all of the other players on that list combined. Yeah, they do. <laughs> So but don't forget Saudi's money. Yeah, okay, Saudi's money. Yeah, that's a fact. Saudi definitely does have money, but you know, at one like it's kind of like an endless. It's like an endless pit, right? Because of you know oil. But correct. And then look at Af- Africa, all the resources that we utilize from there that they're now picking up as well. But I think that also, from what I'm gathering though, from even in places like Africa, they're starting to revolt against China though. Like so, like that's like. I would say we're five years out from understanding exactly what does that complete landscape look like as it pertains to Africa. So if we're looking at Brazil, okay, where's Brazil in the landscape of things as it pertains to monetary policy or... They do really good with their plastic surgery and the women are beautiful. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That means something. We know that India dominates as it pertains to, let's just call it for what it is. If you want to hire the best engineers in the world, you're probably going to hire them out of India. The top three schools in the world as it pertains to producing the, the, the best engineers as it pertains to computer science and other STEM related engineering fields, they definitely come out of India. They're, I mean, they super like New Delhi University supersedes Harvard, MIT, Carnegie Mellon. I could go on, you know. So, OK, so you got the talent there, but the talent doesn't want to go there. The talent wants to come to the U.S. The talent wants to work with U.S. based companies. They have, they have more opportunity to build wealth. There's a, there's no line. Like if you want to, if when it comes to capitalism, America is still number one. But you got Saudi though. But you got Saudi. You yeah, got the, you got the Saudi money. The, 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 the rule, the, the rules and regulations. If you go to those countries, it's, it's very very different. But I, man, I'm just they're playing a long game. I like that one person I could be wrong. that it was like China's well, playing a long game plan. And well, man, they've been sh- playing a very very long game, and it's just it like, yo, man, these past ten years have been drastically different but but we we see this is like the longest hot take ever thanks a lot mark <laughs> all right no, next topic is go, go back to the shadows no. <laughs> no listen i know let's talk about tesla no I'm, just, I'm joking i'm joking listen mark thank you so much for coming by we're gonna go over there cast secure puts real quick but i would definitely Have love fun. your input yes you you i feel like that was sarcastic i don't i don't appreciate that no <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> i'm kidding no, thank you i'm thank kidding you so but, much for having me as yeah, a guest no. I feel like no. we had like a CNBC moment for a second. We did, we did, we did. Um, <laughs> we definitely did. But we get a yeah. We got to do this a lot more, Mark. Is uh for sure. Is we're running out of time, and I know um we have like what, just flash the left. signal in okay. the sky. Have a great show, guys. Definitely. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for everything, man. I really appreciate you, man. Peace. Peace. Ah, I did. I, I want to kick him out. He left himself. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Do you have any other thing you want to add, Mo? No, bro. <laughs> right. That was good. <laughs> that was good. No, I, I love Mark, man. Good dude. So uh, great conversation. And clearly we don't, we all don't agree. Um, so that's great. And I've seen in chat, some people agree with me, some people don't. So that's awesome. All right. That was it for the hot takes, y'all. So let's get into cash secure puts, y'all. So let's 
get into this class. Grab your pen and pen pencil. This is going to be really basic, so let's just get straight into it. Okay, let's go over cash secure puts. If you did not watch the cover crawl episode prior that we did a few weeks ago, please go check that out. I think it's extremely beneficial because in the end of this series, when we're going over cash secure puts and um, cover crawls, there's a thing called wheel strategy. I'm going to bring guests on. I'm going to talk about it. It's a great way to utilize uh, cash secure puts as well as cover crawl to the full extent. And you're... Um, Honestly, you're going to build wealth. It's a slow process, but to me, I like to be risk adverse. I don't like to take massive risks. I don't get into many um, puts or crawls, like naked puts or crawls, unless I believe in it like the WWE situation. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Let's go over to cash secure puts. So what is cash secure puts? Well, it's writing an at the money or out of the money put option and simultaneously setting aside enough cash to buy the stock in case it actually hits your um, strike or below. Now, again, this is collecting premiums, right? So you are limited on your upside of the collecting of the premiums. Also, you will have small gains, but those small gains adds up, especially if you're not assigned um, the shares of the company that you're doing cash secure puts on. It's a great way to enter into a company if you are an investor and you've been waiting for a while. It's a good way to kind of collect some premium while you wait for your price to actually hit. Now, a lot of times the cash secure puts, they're a lot juicier during red days. All right, what you need to know. All right, well, this is just a basic. All right, we're just going over the basics of cash secure puts because I don't want to talk for like 30, 45 minutes on this. I'm going to get straight to some of the examples. But I just want you to understand that after this, if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to DM me on Instagram. You're more than welcome to ask me questions. And I can also direct you to some good videos that are out there. But I also have a cover call video on my channel. Eventually, I'm probably going to do a cash secure put video as well. So you have a resource to go back to. All right. So what is your goal? Well, first and foremost, when you're doing a cash secure puts, you need to decide whether you're trying to invest or are you trying to trade. Now, if you invest, you want to be assigned the shares. So as long as you're collecting premiums throughout time, eventually the price will hit your target price. Let's say you're, where's Apple right now? Like around 160, 165, right? And let's say you're not willing to buy Apple until it hits 145. You could keep doing cash secure puts and collecting premiums all the way until it gets to 145 and then eventually you get a sign. But throughout that time, you're collecting, you know, 45 bucks here, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks here. And it just adds up. So to actually mi minimize your um, upfront costs when it's time for you to actually buy the shares at 145 or wherever it is. Now, if you're a trader, you do not want to get assigned the shares. All right. You want that premium that you collected to expire worthless so you can keep the entire premium. So what I mean about that, let's say you get a, um, you sell a cash secure put, you collect $45. Now um, you want that $45 to basically go to zero by expiration, meaning that you get to keep the entire $45. Now, uh, another thing you need to think about when it comes to these cash secure puts and which sometimes turns people off is that you need the cash to actually cover the shares if you get assigned. So if you're going after Apple, which is again, 165 right now, you need 16,500, right? But if you go after some smaller stocks, like or the ones that are priced um, more attractive, you can go after some that are under $15, like Ford. Ford is at $12. And if you sell a put at $11, you will need at least $1,100 to be able to secure those 
um, hundred shares in case it actually falls below eleven dollars, which means that you will be assigned at eleven dollars. I hope that makes sense. But there's a, quite a few stocks out there that are relatively cheap. Um, Ford is one of them. I've been doing it on Ford for some time now. And then Ford is very predictable. You know, you don't want to do it on these growth stocks because you know they have some massive swings. They can go anywhere from you know eight percent to. 50% down, like you, you don't know. So you want to try to go for the blue chip stocks, the ones that are not so volatile, especially in the beginning phases. And again, with the, the lower the price of the stock, though, like let's say at Ford, because it's like at $12 right now or so, your premiums are not going to be super juicy. It's going to be probably like 20 bucks here, 30 bucks here or so. All right. So starting off. This is my recommendation when you start off doing these um, cash secure puts. Start paper trading first. All right, seriously, y'all, just paper trade. Paper trade until you understand the concept and you understand how the premiums move. Because there will be times when you, for, for example, collect a premium at $45 and you see that it went up to 90 and it's going to show negative and you're freaking out like, oh, my God, what does that mean? Relax. That's what I'm saying. Just go ahead and do paper trading for a while until you understand and it clicks for you. And then look for companies that are under $15. Now, I give you guys a freebie. Ford is one of them. Ford's been pretty good. Um, another one is NCHL, which is in Norwegian Cruise Lines. I've done um, casting reports as well as cover crawls on them a few times. I'm actually in a, uh, I think, a cover crawl right now on, on um, Norwegian. So that's another one that's not bad underneath $15. <clears throat> And when you start this, you want to start off with monthlies, okay? Because you get more premium. So if you do weeklies, your premium is going to be a lot less. If you go further out, it's going to be juicier and you're going to collect a bigger premium. But also understand that there's a good chance that, you know, within that time, the stock can actually fall below where you sold it at, which will then force you to buy the shares. I would say try ETFs first. Get used to them. XLF, XLE, XOP, SPLG. Um, TQQQ, if you want a little bit more volatility, um, try those first. Then go over to the blue chip stocks. I'm talking about Apple, Microsoft, and apparently Tesla now since it's a blue chip. Uh, and then practice until it clicks. Like really, eventually it will click. And sometimes it's harder to explain cash secure puts. But once you understand it and it clicks, I promise you it's just it's smooth sailing from there. Um, one of the things I, I want to say, do not spend the money that you collect until expiration and do not spend the money that you are required to hold in your account to be able to buy the shares. Now, some brokerages are a little iffy. All right. Like cover calls, you actually have to own the 100 shares, right? On cash secure puts, you do not. You just have to have the money in there. But there's been some brokerages where I noticed they will not actually hold up. Let's say you get for it again, $1,200, right? Because uh, it's $12 a share. So $1,200, you have to have at least $1,200 in your account that's supposed to be held up for Ford in case it goes against you, then you, have, you will be exercised and you need to actually buy the shares, right? But I've seen, I've seen some brokerages where they will only actually hold up 30%, 25% of the total that you're supposed to hold, hoping that you will end up spending the rest and then put you in a, a pickle, basically. So just make sure you pay attention to that. Do not spend the money and definitely do not spend the premium. So... Some worst case scenario, like I said, my graphics aren't, aren't the best, all right? I think cash secure puts, there really is no downside. Just don't do it on penny stocks. Again, don't do it on growth stocks that are extremely volatile. I'm talking about like AI. I see AI is like running like crazy right now. Everyone's talking about it. Why? Because it has a name AI in it. So everyone thinks that AI is now the future. So they're buying into this company that really hasn't proven itself. But don't do those, all right? Just 
work with stocks that you don't mind owning in the future. But like worst case scenario, right? You end up keeping a premium and you are forced to buy the shares. No big deal. All right. Now you have two options from there. You can either do a cover call then out of the money, a little bit to start collecting some premium until the price goes up or above where your initial strike was. And you can just, you know, make some additional money off of that or you just, you know, keep the shares and just call it a day. Or if you don't want to own the company, you can sell the shares for a loss, depending how far it actually dipped. So those are some things you need to think about. Those are two options. Honestly, with cash secure puts, I really don't see it as a lose-lose situation because a lot of times you should be doing it with stocks that you don't mind owning. So if you're a Tesla fan, why not do it? Because I'm telling you, the, the Tesla um, cash secure puts, they're pretty damn juicy. Now, here are some tips, and this is from NASDAQ.com, all right? Only trade liquid stocks, and I say that because there have been some times where I have gotten into some positions, didn't, didn't pay attention to the liquidity of it and the market cap or any of that stuff, and it wasn't as liquid, so sometimes it's kind of difficult to get out of a position if it goes against you. That happened with, um, I believe it was NVDS. I had a hard time getting out of the contract because no one wanted to buy it. All right, make sure that the bid and ask spreads is no larger than 10 to 20 cents. That was another issue that I had with NVDS was that um, the spread was just, it was crazy. It was, it, was, it was like a drastic dollar move. So that can be detrimental to your play as well. Uh, the ETF SPY has the most liquid options and generally has a tight penny wide spread. Yeah, but again, that's SPY. So you need at least, um, what, $4,500 or so wherever is that right now for 400 for the something like that i don't know you you get to you get a gist okay just know that you have to have enough money to be able to do that and yes spy is definitely liquid um don't sell cheap contracts all right if you sell a put and you're only collecting like 0.05 which is five dollars i mean the, the fees and stuff will negate it it's not even worth it honestly don't there, there's a lot of weeklies that you will see like if you go one dollar out of the money or whatever and you're like oh I can collect five bucks for this week. Just don't do it. It's not even worth it with the fees and everything and taxes and all that other stuff. So, hey, hold on. I mean, sorry. Give me one second. And taxes and all that other stuff. So, try to look for something that's a little bit more juicier. I like to go at least $30 or above, even sometimes 20 depending on the time. Weekly options may expire sooner, but since you are trading them more often, you will incur more fees. That's true. You know, as you already know, weekly options. And just even zero day options, you're going to collect, you're going to end up paying a lot of fees associated with that. Um, take profit early. Now, I know a lot of times people try to tell you just to wait until it expires worth this all the way to 100 percent. I personally don't believe that if you get to 70 or 80 um, percent exit out, especially if let's say you do a monthly and within like a week or two. And, f- and for some reason, the stock just runs or something and you are up 70, 80 percent on that premium, you just close it out. Let's close out and, and collect that premium and call it a day and to do another one. Um, it's better than that as a yeah, basically this as opposed to um, letting it expire worth it. Sometimes you know if it's uh, if you have five dollars left on the bone, is it really worth taking that risk of something happening with that company, some news or something comes in and completely messing up your trade? Just let that five dollars go and collect the the other ninety five bucks if it's like a hundred dollar premium, whatever. So uh, it is better to forfeit a small amount of premium instead of letting the option completely expire. That's basically what I was talking about. And that's essentially it when it comes to um, this little slideshow. Let me go pull up Thinkorswim and give you an example of how to do this. All right. Hopefully you can see this. This is the Thinkorswim application. Um, Let's go to Apple right now. I'm going to give you guys an example. I'm going to type in Apple here real quick. 
Everyone likes Apple. Yeah, so Apple is currently at 164. Now, when you're looking at premiums here, let's go out to, let's say, May, a monthly, right? So 43 days out. You go here and let's say you want to buy Apple and you feel comfortable buying Apple at 150, right? You want to buy 100 shares at 150. So instead of just sitting there and waiting for it to hit 150, you can start collecting a premium. And the way you do that is just simply by clicking on any of these. Sorry, click on right here. You want to click on the bid. You should try to um, go to the mid. That's what I always try to get into. So the mid is currently a $1.83. So $183 you can collect by selling one cash secure put for 19 May 23. So again, worst case scenario, let's say it doesn't hit 150. Guess what? You get to keep the $183. If it does hit the 150 or below it, you will still keep the $183, but you will also have to buy the shares at at the 150 strike price, right? Um, so let's say like it goes to 145. Yeah, you know, you actually lost in that situation because you want to subtract a $1.83 um, minus 150, which gives you your, um, your cost basis and you want to stay above your cost basis. So once it starts going against you, that's how you know. It's just basically your strike price minus the premium collected. That is your break even um, and cost basis if you do get exercise. So you want to keep that in mind. Let's say you want to go further out. Let's say you want to do a weekly, for example, next week, uh, eight days from now. If you go to 150, you see you're only collecting six bucks. Is it worth six bucks? No. It's not. Don't do it. Now, if you, if you believe that Apple will continue to run up, it's going to go to 170. You know, you could do you could do the 162, 50, and collect um, 113 dollars uh, for that put. You can do that, or 160 is 58 bucks. So there's various different ways you can um, execute this. The further out you go, the better. Like if you go to June, for example, um, June's expiration, and you go to 150, you see you're collecting nearly three three hundred dollars. It's two dollars and ninety four cents. So um, this is running up to $3. So let's say, again, um, it starts selling off, starts selling off, and it hits the 150 and you start getting nervous, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Am I going to get executed here? Uh, you still actually have buffer room. You have buffer room all the way into $147 because you collected that $300. So your cost basis, if executed, will actually be 147 So, like, let's say it, 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 it ends up going to $149.50 and you're forced to buy the shares, you're actually still going to be up because you actually your cost basis for the shares were $147 and you um, you bought it at $149. So um, you're good to go. Or the price was at $149 and your actual cost base is $147. That's what I mean. So you're actually pretty good to go on that. Now, if it goes below, let's say it goes to $145, yeah, now you're, you're losing money now. But it's not as bad as um, before because like you collected that $300 dollars and if it's at 145 instead of you losing five hundred dollars because you have to buy that 150 you actually only lost two hundred dollars because you're taking the three hundred dollar premium that you collected subtracting it from 150 which leaves you at 147 so you're actually only down two hundred dollars i'm just saying this is a good way to try to get into positions that you want to actually um or companies that you actually want to own. Another good thing to think about when it comes to this, let's say it does go against you, right? And now it's at 145 and you're like, damn, now I, I my, my cost base was 147, um, but now I got to pay, I pay 150 for it, so I'm upside down. But, it, but you have 100 shares of Apple, so now you could do some cover calls. And with that, you can basically go out of the money, for example. Let's say you go that following month to July, go out the money let's say you could do um 
like the 165 strike or the 170 strike. So you can you can start collecting premiums out of the money from there and, and you'll be just fine. So there's ways to do it and that's called the wheel strategy. A lot of people do that. They buy cash secure puts and do cover crawls and like I said, I'm gonna bring some guests on and could break it down for you. But I hope this makes sense. Again, this may be a little bit overwhelming at first. You're seeing all these numbers. You're like, well, I don't understand it. Um, just hit me up if you want to in a DM um, and we can kind of go from there. But there's a lot of videos out there that you can watch that I can teach you this stuff. But like I said, there's nothing better than to try to paper trade this and that way it clicks and you start understanding when you're visually doing it yourself. You're, it seems complicated, but I promise you, it really isn't as complicated. It may take some time for it to click, but once it clicks, you are golden. You are golden. Small, small wins add up. You guys caught me. It was pre-recorded. Okay. I was trying to pass it off as if I was doing it live. <laughs> but uh, my son brought me water as I was supposed to play the next video. But yeah, so hopefully this makes sense for y'all. And seriously, if you guys have any questions, um, you're more than welcome to DM me. You're more than welcome to hit me up. I try to respond on the weekends only. I'm kind of off of social media during the weekday, kind of. I say kind of. I'm just not always on there. But if you guys have any questions, please let me know. Mo, did that make a little bit sense? Because I know you're, you're not so familiar with all those as much right no I, i'm starting to like more uh, spreads more cash secured puts more uh yeah. this market buying options if you're not careful with the chop uh, it could take you up yeah so hopefully you guys like it and there's this thing called the wheel strategy so some of the guests i'm going to bring on here in the future are going to talk about the wheel strategy people who literally have made a fortune doing um just cash secure puts as well as cover calls and they started off small but then they grew their account because the risk is so low it's just pace patience the long game the long game that's all it really is about all right um that was pretty much it for the uh the cash secure puts mo what you got okay so um we've got cpi on wednesday and then we've got ppi on thursday so let's start getting ready for next week now um I won't confuse you guys with charge, supply and demand or anything like that. We'll keep it very simple. We'll talk about just identifying patterns when you're looking at the market. So uh, let's get VIX chart going. So let's go daily chart. One thing you'll notice here is roughly around this range around, I'd say around 1786 to 18. Whenever we get around here, we bounce, right? You could see it's happened one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and around there, if I start counting all the candles, you're looking about 40 candles. And this has been going on since January, right? So VIX is basically you're looking at the total protection they're buying. Now, the question is, why are we looking at it? If CPI is coming, VIX should be a lot higher, right? CPI is on Wednesday. But if you guys look at how Friday went, we head up 1990 and then that's when we started falling right now this is where we take this to our advantage you look at this and you know that people will start buying hedges starting next week before i cover that topic what i want to talk about is anytime we have a long weekend um the week prior so the week that we were in monday to thursday you saw the market doing either the sideway action or going up and that usually happens because the volume is low Another reason that's down, I'm going to share some figures with you guys. Give me one second. So have you ever wondered when the market is chopping, a lot of people get into puts only to get destroyed because the market rips. There's a reason for that. There's something called tape buying and there's something called CTAs. And we've talked about that before too. CTAs are traders. They're called trend traders. 
they're institutional traders, they play the trend. So simple is 50, 100, 200 moving averages. When they break, they start buying. When they break downside, they start selling. So I'll give you the numbers for this month, for this month, okay? How much they would buy. So on a flat tape, meaning on a day where we're just balancing, their goal to buy is $62 billion for the week. If it's an up tape, meaning we're ripping, their goal is to buy $71 billion. On a down tape, their goal is to buy $12 billion. So that's why you're seeing these deeps, uh, this depths getting bought. On a month expectation, on a flat tape is $114 billions to buy. On an up tape, meaning when we're running up, $145 billion. And on a down tape, it's $78 billion. And this is basically um, what the levels are. Now, let's get into this. So now that we know that VIX is down, one other trend they will go is go look at all the holidays we've had where the market closed that week whatever the position is the next week the full week that opens up always fades the move and the reason for that is when the volume is very low it's very easy to manipulate the price which is why i personally don't look at pre-market action because the volume is low now we ripped through there's a high chance that we are going to fade this move on monday because when the actual volume shows up on monday they're most likely going to reject these prices that's called having an imbalance that's why it follows supply and demand apart from that you've got vix buying that will happen because people need to start buying from um what do you call for cpi and ppi if you look at it in the past 18 is the number where they have started buying and it's usually holds if you're really, really bullish in the market, it's fine. But expect some sort of retracement because you can't get to 4,200 with um, Wix being at 17 or 18. So a very easy in terms of risk reward, trend, charts, whatever you call it, or even flow, buying long-term May, June VIX calls would be a very good idea if you want to have a low-risk play. Not a recommendation. I'm just showing you how I spot plays. A simple reason for that is CPI. They're going to start buying. The market might not even go down, but VIX will shoot up, and you're going to see that if it doesn't happen on Monday, it should happen on Monday, you'll see it happen on Tuesday. So does anyone have any question about VIX or anything? Feel free to shoot a message. I'm going to go over a couple of plays that we saw flow and give me one second. I'm just trying to pull mine. Actually, you know what? I have them memorized. So let's go over. The first one is Zscaler. So this one has $9.8 billion. Okay. This one has 9.8. I'll tell you the exact chain that it got hit. It is 125 calls that came for 721. I believe the buyers paid $500 for per contract and the total sweep that came was for $5.2 million and then they bought another $4 million afterwards. If we now look at the chart here, this is what I mean by high risk, uh, low risk, high reward play. So this is your, this is your support and what the basically the whole point of taking this trade for me was you use this as a stop loss around here. So we, I added this around one on one, uh, one on one yesterday, and so it went down. I think about a dollar, and now it's back up. And if I show you the upside, we don't have supply, meaning we don't. I don't see a sell zone all the way till one sixteen ish on it. So you've got about sixteen points up going from here. If that happens, we would look at about three hundred fifty to four hundred percent on the play. 
if it didn't work out, your stop loss would have been so today when I was red, I was red, it went from it went down by 15%. So these are the kind of plays you want to take. When you see a lot of chop and you see there's a lot of resistance, those are the plays you want to avoid. But just looking at this play, you look at the upside, you look at the downside, and you've got flow. This is what I called an A-plus setup play. So this is the stuff that I look for. Uh, apart from that, I want to go over one more. Give me one second. I'm just pulling the chart for everyone. Okay. This one here. So I'll tell you why I'm looking at this. It's called Lincoln National Corporation. And what we saw was there were puts bought on this about three, four days ago for about a million. And they were down today. And they bought another 1.27 million. I'll tell you the chain that they're hitting. They're hitting LNC 17.5 put for May 19th for 1.27 million. It's a put, right? So here's... Give me one second. So in terms of risk reward, I'll show you what I like. This is a daily chart, by the way. This here is the supply, 2238. Let's go hourly. Makes you guys' life a lot easier. So I looked at this trade today. So this is supply. Supply basically means resistance or supply zone. We rejected here. So above this would be my stop loss. And if you look at... 1941 is a support so if this thing gets to 1941 from 20 it's about roughly around 150 percent but this thing has been extremely weak if we break that we don't have any support till 1638 and after that it's 14. so what i'm just trying to show you is i look for plays where if i'm wrong i don't lose that much but if i'm right i make good amount of money so the bare minimum if this play works about 100 120 but if those breaks they're about three four hundred percent we did the same thing with another play called simc uh where the downside was basically five ten percent but if it worked it would go do really well. A lot of people shoot for these zero days and weekly. I don't like to do them because simple reason is how much capital can you deploy on a zero day or on a weekly? Whereas if you know something that's May 19th, you can go a little bit heavier because you know you have months. You have a question there, Mo. So where do you go see that there's one big trade as specific? Let me uh, let me just share my Discord. I'll show you what I see. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Let me know, Mark, if you can see it. Can they see it? Yep. Okay. So do you see this LNC? It came April 6th or today at 640. Um, it came right here. So 17.5, May 19th, 1 million. And I saw this previously. So they were averaging down. That's where I see it. Apart from that, I have... Um, a service that I use. I'm not, I'm not affiliated. I'm not trying to promote them, but the whole point being is that that's kind of what you want to look for. A lot of us will get attracted to zero day and weekly because you want the money now, but trust me, zero days is good in terms of risking very small if you know what you're doing, but for longer term plays, it keeps you sane. And that's sort of what I look for. Most of the plays I'm looking right now are May, June, July, uh, I'm seeing a lot of sweeps in gold, a lot of sweeps in silver. One last thing, Mark, I got, and then I'm done. One of the trades I have seen is on CPI, we had so much. So going into CPI, we sell off a lot, okay? Because people are hedging and taking profits. 
And when the CPI comes, we actually rip because it's what the expectation is. I believe the expectation right now is 25 basis point. But come PPI, we tank because all those hedges get taken off. And so there's no hedges. And so when the PPI comes, we automatically fall. This has happened the last two times. So keep an eye. I'll repeat again. CPI, we usually have been, even if we're gapped down, the play usually has been wait till the open of CPI and then buy calls. And PPI has been buy puts over CPI after CPI and opening uh, PPI is usually a gap down. That's what's been the play because they don't really hedge for PPI. They've been hedging for CPI strictly. But that's what I've got. If you like this kind of stuff, we can cover more. This is some basic common sense patterns that you can figure out. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mo. Hey, too, let me throw something in there for people as well who may be interested in spreads. If you don't mind, go into your Discord, Mo, because I don't have it up. Um, and you can go to the spreadsheet. I will share two that I'm actually in right now. Um, like we talked about, you know, cover calls and everything. So I'm actually in one right now. Um, NCLH, I did that earlier today right there. It says NCLH, which is the Norwegian one. I got into it at, two, at 1290. And if you look, um, can you close that up? Yeah. Mo, and then read what I actually wrote there. I think I put like the cover call. So you collect $49 per contract. Right now you could actually uh, collect 60. I'm down. No, I'm not. Am I down? No, I'm, I'm up uh, half a percent. So far, I just got into that today, and it has a, um, a downside protection of 4%. Then if you scroll all the way up, Mo, um, to the, the very first one that I post, I'm also an XOP. That's an iron condor. So that's a little bit more complicated. I don't want to get too much into that one. But right now, that one expires next month. That's when I got. I collected $124 premium, and it's going to take um, probably when it gets a little bit close to expiration is when it starts kicking. And right now, I'm down 1.63%. On a daily so far, I've been going anywhere between positive 3%, down 3%. So once it gets closer to expiration, as long as XOP, which I'm relatively familiar with, as long as it doesn't drop, Low 120 or run above 155, I'm good. So I'm um, just kind of waiting for it. Uh, but yeah, I just want to share those with you guys. If you're interested in doing a paper trade on that, please do take a look at it. Don't go live, especially if you don't know what you're doing when it comes to iron condors. Um, but just go ahead, screenshot that, do it on paper trade, and let's see how it plays out here next month. Um, NCLH, I, um, I have no worries. That one's been good to me for months now. So um, I like to play that one over and over when I see an opportunity. So, all right, that's it. Hey, right, buddy, I'm done too. Yeah, that's it, y'all. So, Mo, thank you, man. I think this was a good episode. A little bit over an hour, but it went well. So, um, everybody, again, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys can find me on um, my Uncultured Currency YouTube channel. I talk about finance as well as political-related stuff. You may like me, you may not like me after watching that channel, but just check it out, <laughs> depending what your political affiliation is. But I, I enjoy talking about r random things, so check it out. You can also find Mo. Where can they find you? Uh, OTB Clubhouse on Instagram. Yeah, don't you? Are you doing your YouTube? Uh, it's on and off, man. I hate editing. <laughs> that's the worst part man but yeah but you can you know just subscribe to otb clubhouse as well on youtube because every once in a while he, he will drop like charts and he goes over like the daily um market and stuff like that so definitely check it out and also if you're brand new to the come up series for some reason please subscribe give us a thumbs up seriously share this for other people we, we want to grow we want to grow so i really appreciate it and until week from now or two weeks from now because again we're bi-weekly thursdays 8 p.m we try to do it live. There's times we won't be able to do it live, but we're definitely going to try. And um, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Mo, I'll talk to you later. Mark, thank you for popping in. And everybody else, the cousins, thank you guys so much. Love you all. Peace out. But wait, I got to procrastinate this just for a little bit so I could play the outro. All right, hold on. Um, uh, here we go. That's 100.
Hunter.